Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends gathered at Amazing Love, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me if you're comfortable. Just to ask God to bless the preaching of his word. So we pray. Lord, we've come with expectant hearts. And we need regularly for you to speak into our lives, to guide us and direct us. Show up in such a powerful way that we know we have met with you. Direct our footsteps and let us gaze upon your beauty so that we will be transformed to your likeness just by looking at who you are. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Happy again, Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you are going to watch the game today? How many of you are more interested in the commercials? And how many of you would rather watch hockey? I know there's a lot of hockey fans. Okay. Um, well, I, I welcome you today, and I'm excited not just for the Super Bowl, but because that we're starting a new series. And I wanted to let you into my mind as I craft different series. I often think of what are the things that we haven't covered in the scope of God's Word. I've been here for eight years, and I've covered a lot of different things, sermons I've never preached on, but this is a topic that we haven't considered together as a congregation, as, as family and friends in Christ, and it's about the glory of God. And I remember being at seminary, this was a big deal. I remember writing a paper on the glory of God in Hebrew, the Kavod Adonai. And, and there was a little bit of trepidation as I considered this series, though. Because the glory of God, it's transcendent. It's ethereal. It's beyond us. And so I'm just hoping that things that are transcendent would translate into transformation into your life. That's the tie-in that I was hoping for. And so, so why I'm excited, why I'm excited, let, let, let me get more practical of why I'm excited about the glory of God, is because I have a theory in our society that we are way too self-obsessed, self-absorbed, self-promoting, and self-pursuing. Anyone with me? I was reading an article about how Instagram has changed our lives. And this was valid for me. I just joined Instagram. Follow me, dbloomer777. It's amazing. But Instagram, uh, there was this, this, this article by The Observer, and they said this about narcissism. They said that narcissism is now not only accepted, it's expected. In fact, they were getting to an Instagram, you have to look at yourself for so long to understand the imperfection of the picture so that you can change it and make it better. <laughs> They, they said that people are going to plastic surgeons asking for different edits that, that Instagram does through their filters, you know? When I was growing up, I don't, I don't know if I ever heard the word narcissism. Do you know what I'm saying? Now it's all over, you know, this self-love, this self-obsession. And, and it's all in social media. And, and I'm not hating on social media. You can be on social media. It's not the devil. I'm not, I'm not going that far, right? But, but, but we live in a time of selfies and, and Facebook status and, and all this and... I have this question. Do you ever just get sick of focusing on yourself? Like, isn't it just sometimes exhausting? 
Uh, just, how do I look today? How am I doing today? How, how am I at work today? What do they think of me today? Did, did everyone like me today? Does, do I have enough hearts or likes or, or happy faces and love things? You know, uh, how am I doing? And the reality is, you don't have to be on social media to be concerned about those questions, right? Even without social media, you're asking, do people like me? How am I doing? How am I performing? Right? Well, this is where the series comes in. Because I think if we want to have glory days, if you want to make this a best year ever, I have this theory that it's going to be less emphasis on you and more emphasis on God. I have this theory that there is someone who can transform our lives, and it isn't about the potential that is found in us. It isn't about us. It is about someone who is far higher than us. And it's not that it's wrong to focus on ourselves. In fact, I've taken all those self-analysis, those personality tests. In fact, I referred to one a couple weeks ago, the emotional intelligence one. I've taken Strengths Finders, Myers-Briggs. Um, anyone ever take those personality tests, figure out who you are, your potential, your strengths? You know, you're with me. The question I have in this series is, when's the last time you've put a concerted effort into who God is? When's the last time you asked about his character and his power and his potential working through you? See, there's a psalmist named David who said this. He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, and that one is the God that we've come to consider. And so here's the opportunity this series provides. It's to get lost in the glory of God and be left with an impression. It reminds me of being absorbed with art. Um, I don't know, have you guys been to the Art Institute of Chicago? Anyone been there? It's a good time to go. If you're an Illinois resident, it's free through February 16th. So just, you're, you're welcome for that tidbit. Well, I, I went there Monday, and, and, and you think of what art does to you. When, when you look at a, a piece like this, Renoir, um, it can leave an impression on you, right? When, when you let yourself just absorb yourself into something else, the focus is away from you, and it actually can change your demeanor. So this is Renoir. Um, this was one that had kind of like a 3D element going on just from scale. Um, this was my favorite for the day. Picture of Europe somewhere, I don't know. Um, uh, this one is always weird. Reminds me of like Beetlejuice scenes back in the day anyway. Um, this one was really interesting. Um, if you stare here and like unfocus your eyes, it will like all turn to one color gray, you know? And, and it was, my brother-in-law showed me that. But, um, <clears throat> and it can leave you with an impression. Some art is so beautiful, it can change your demeanor. What we're going to do is we're going to appear so much and get so much absorbed into the glory of God that hopefully it will change our demeanor and help us in this life. So welcome to glory days. And I'm not sure when your glory days have been. Mine again, sophomore year of high school. Um, maybe yours are going to be now. And, and I wanted to welcome you if you're new to Christianity or maybe you're new to Amazing Love today. And, and you might have a lot of questions today. It might be like drinking out of a fire hose. But this is my only hope for you. That after meeting with God, that maybe you'd have a sense of hope. That maybe you'd have a sense of peace greater than what you had when you came in. So we're going to get into God's word now, though. And, and we're going to meet a man named Moses. 
Um, and, and let me explain the word before we dive into it. Uh, Moses, in this account, was very troubled and frustrated. Moses was feeling like a parent with rebellious children. Uh, Moses was telling the children, you know, what to do, and they were just having nothing of it. In, in fact, what, what we have in, in, in this account is Moses went to Mount Sinai, um, and, and God met with him, gave him the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ten Commandments. And, and, and uh, so if you've ever seen the movie, you know that the children of Israel were down there rebelling against God. Well, God was in the form of a, a fire on the mountain and a cloud on the mountain. They were all worshiping a golden calf. Well, Moses comes down with these tablets. He sees them all rebelling, and he's just frustrated. He breaks the tablets, he disciplines them, and he just has had enough. Ever been there? He's just sick and tired. And Moses has a solution for his troubled nature and his troubled circumstances. His solution wasn't to ask God, God, could you show me something in me? God, just show me my potential. God, just show me the strength that comes with within, that, that then I can get past this. No, his answer wasn't more of him. His answer was, God, show me you. Let me see who you are, because if I just glimpse at your power, maybe then I can get past this. Now, Moses and God had a unique relationship. Uh, look, look at what, how they met. Um, it said the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's a pretty cool relationship. And in this account, Moses asked God to show up. He basically says, let me see you, God. And God answers. So let's get into it. You can follow along, whether in your uh, worship folder or on the screen here, when God actually shows up and shows off. Here we go. Moses said, he was so frustrated, show me your glory. I want to see you. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. That's how glorious he is. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you can stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, you will be in the cleft of the rock. I will put my hand over you until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Well, later God shows up. Here it is, Exodus 34. The Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You know, this last part I can't do a whole sermon on today. We're not going to focus it on today. But, but some have called this last part the alien work of God. And that makes such sense to me, the alien work, the foreign work of God. God is a just God. He says sins must be paid for, but you have a choice. Either Jesus can pay for them, or you can. But the alien work of God is to hold others accountable when Jesus was already held accountable for us, if that makes sense. So that's my tangent sermon. But back to the lesson, isn't it overwhelming? God is so enormous that he has to put his hand over Moses' face so that he's not consumed by who he is. Moses only sees the back and then hears this sermon, and that's what we get to consider today. May God bless us. You know, certain names in this world carry a lot of weight. For example, Tom Brady. 
Does anyone want Tom Brady to win today? Okay. And Tom Brady's name carries some weight because he has four Super Bowl rings, which is tied for Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw. If he wins another one, he will separate himself with the only person with five Super Bowl rings. Let's see if he doesn't. There are other people with uh, names that carry weight. Oprah Winfrey, right? Chicago knows Oprah. Um, now we know her because of Weight, weight Watchers commercials, right? I think that's mostly what she's known for now, her network. I remember the car giveaway. Who doesn't remember that scene? That's great, right? Where are some other names? Uh, Shakespeare carries weight. Einstein, uh, Joan of Arc, Mother Teresa, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. All of these uh, carry some connotation, don't they? I think the, the, the one that sticks out in my mind of a name that carried weight came from the, the Disney movie, The Lion King. You know the name that carried weight? Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Right? <laughs> and that's just what a name can do, right? A name can make an impression. Well, go with me here. As we consider the overwhelming glory of God, it starts just with his name. It starts with that name. So God shows up, and it was enough just for him to say his name. That's how impressive that name was. Uh, the, the verse said, the Lord came down, and he stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Now, this phrase, calling on the name of the Lord, was a way of worshiping. And it almost made me think that God was worshiping himself. And while many times that would make me think egotism, you know, what artist listens to their own music? It's like Kanye listening to his own song, right? You know, but, but God can do that because he's the only one worthy of worshiping his own name. That's how great his name is. That's how great he is. And what is that name? Here, here's what it looks like in Hebrew. It, it, it's, it's Yahweh. And the name held such reverence about it that Old Testament believers didn't even say it out loud. Instead of saying Yahweh, they'd say Adonai. Couldn't even say the name out loud, like Mufasa. <laughs> and what the name means, which we're going to explore, is I am. And I absolutely love the ambiguity, the openness, and the infinite possibilities of the name I am. Let's have some fun with I am. Because what can't I am mean, Right? I am can mean help. You need help, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me because I am. I'm compassion. You need someone to hold your heart, someone to sustain it, someone to care for you. I am that one. I am deliverance. I have delivered you from sin, death, and the devil. I can deliver you from your current circumstances. I can deliver you from yourself and from anything else that gets in your way. I am. I am love. I love talking about this. I'm a love so great, I can love the despicable things. I can love the ostracized things. I can love the things that no one else calls lovely. That's how loving I am. I'm your janitor. You got a messy life? I can clean it up. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> you want vengeance? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will hold accountable those who hurt you. I am your strength. You need power beyond your own weakness. I have power past whatever is holding you back. And strength that is made perfect in weakness. I'm sufficient for you. I am. What do you want I am to be? You want joy? God says to you, I am. You want peace? I am. Hope? 
I am perspective. I am, I am, I am. See, even the name. <laughs> it's everything we need him to be and more than we can possibly imagine. I am means he is unparalleled, he's unfathomable, he's unbounded, he, he's unlimited, he's, he's infinite. I am tells us he, he cannot be contained, we cannot box him up, and this is glorious to consider if just for a little bit. For everything else in this observable world is finite, isn't it? When we apply, I don't know how many people love science, I'm not really great at science, but let's talk a little bit about science. Uh, we were in starting point, which is our, 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 our next step if you're a visitor here. Um, starting point is our environment for our, our next step visitors. And we were talking a little bit about the complexity of creation. I remember talking to our chemical engineer about uh, protein molecules and, and even their complexity in trying to reduplicate them, which I guess are reduplicated in hamster ovaries in China. Chinese hamster ovaries. Okay, well anyway, um, and, and I guess the process of making something as simple as a protein molecule is so complex that it has to be, again, um, you know, down to this certain science just to, to do a, a little bit of this world that, that God has placed us in. And then I consider not just like protein molecules, but if you've ever, here's an amino acid, you know, or I consider, you know, DNA. Um, if you've ever enjoyed science, if you've ever studied the galaxies, you, you know there's such complexity there, isn't there? there? There's billions of galaxies. DNA is so complex. Those atoms, those molecules, it's just amazing. And yet, and yet they're finite, aren't they? They're still finite things. They're still things that at the end of the day have an end to them, right? God is saying as complex as everything I has made, the finite was made by me, the infinite. I am so far beyond. And so you need to know that there is overwhelming glory because he is infinite. He's infinite. And Paul said this. Paul said this in Romans when he said, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Can you say that word with me? Beyond. Reminds me of Buzz Lightyear. To infinity and beyond. I love that God is infinity and beyond. <laughs> but because I'm not done with Disney references, I wanted to refer to a movie called Frozen. It is still alive and kicking, right? Um, three years and it's still with us in the hearts of all young Young ladies. Anyway, and, and I remember when, when Elsa had kind of infinite powers when it came to cold weather. And she let it go and she made this amazing ice castle, right? And it was just wow, right? You know? And, 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 and what the impression that did when, 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 when Anna was struck by her infinite ability with cold weather, it left an impression. Here was Anna back at that castle, right? And I think as she observes, as she looks in, there might be some intimidation going on here, right? As you look at the power, almost limitless and cold weather for, for Elsa, there's just like, whoa, what are you going to do? And if she wasn't intimidated there, she's sure intimidated when she makes that snow monster thing that like chases them, right? You know? Why is God infinite and what impression can that leave on us? As we stare into his infinity, this is what I think we see. That his infinite glory is intimidating and it's supposed to be. 
Does that make sense? He's intimidating, but he's supposed to be. I consider when, when God showed up in, in Exodus 19 on Mount Sinai, here's what it looked like. Uh, this was the passage of when God showed up. It said, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. Now, this might explain why I like fire. I'm a bit of a pyro, but maybe that's because I love God, right? I don't know. Be safe with fire, by the way. But God shows up as an all-consuming fire. Can you imagine a whole mountain set on fire? Like, one log is usually enough to heat up something and, and be pretty impressive. But a whole mountain on fire? Holy cow, right? And then, I don't know if you've ever been experienced with like an earthquake. I don't know if anyone ever lived in California. Um, but, but I would imagine to, to see a whole mountain tremble and move has to be a little unsettling. Right? It has to leave you with an impression. In our own lesson, God was so glorious that he had to put his hand over Moses' face because you cannot see the front side of me. I have to cover you, otherwise you will be consumed by the greatness of who I am. Are you intimidated yet? I think we should allow ourselves to be intimidated. And here's the reason why. If we allow ourselves to be intimidated, we'll finally see ourselves according to scale. Let me put it up here. If we allow ourselves to be intimidated by his infinity, we finally see ourselves according to scale, which is a fancy way of saying God is big and you are small. Do you get it yet? As you gaze on the masterpiece of who God is, you must understand you are minuscule. You must understand that you cannot be the captain of your own fate. You cannot be the master of your own soul. You have to understand that perhaps in this, in this whole discussion, there is a way that is higher than your way. There is a knowledge that may be higher than your knowledge. There is something bigger than you. That there is a creator and there are creatures, and we will never mix up which one is which. And it's necessary for us to remember this. It's necessary because we live in an age without accountability. You know what I'm saying? More than ever before, we live in an age that says, I'm going to do what I have to do, you know? I'm going to do what I want, go what I want, say what I want. As long as I don't hurt anyone, you can't say anything about it, right? This is the society we live. And it's, it's impressive how things just continue to snowball. I mean, now we live in an age where the president can't tell me what to do. Um, we, we can't have police telling us what to do. Uh, we can't have your mama telling you what to do. For sure not a pastor telling you what to do. Right? Uh, God can't tell us what to do. I'm going to do what I do. And as long as I don't hurt anyone, we all okay. But when we look at the glory of God and who God is, we have this notion that we are accountable, don't we? There is something in this whole lesson that says we're going to answer to someone for our actions whether we want to be real with that or not. Charles Swindoll wrote about this, about the glory of God and accountability. He said, I must say that this wholesome fear of the Almighty has turned up missing in our era. And when it's absent, we think we may do as we please. You can live as you please and you know you're not being seen and you won't get caught. But if deep down inside you know there is a loving God and a holy God 
who will not let you get away with sin. You will avoid sin at all costs. So today is the day to repent. If we ever thought that sin was okay. If we ever thought that doing our way, our sinful way, was acceptable, we're held accountable. God is just, and we will answer. But let me show you something greater yet. Don't stay here. Because the greatest form of a glorious God is not a consuming fire. And it's not a cloud. It's a person named Jesus. The greatest form that we glorify and we worship is when the infinite became finite in the form of Jesus. When the unbounded bound himself in human flesh. And you think of how accessible Jesus is. A cloud can't be hugged, but Jesus could when he rose from the dead. A fire would burn you, but Jesus never would. He was grace and grace completely. And Jesus would be bound under the same laws, the same accountability structure we're bound under, and he would do it perfectly. And Jesus would be bound to die our death on the cross. And because he did, because the glory of God led him to the cross, so that he could be consumed by the wrath of God, so that we would not be consumed. We are free once and for all. We are friends. The love of God went so far. The love of God is greater than the glory of God because it went so far to die our death and pay our punishment. And so if there's anything in you that, again, was terrified to be accountable to God, don't stay there. Because you need to know through Jesus, he now delights in you. That he looks at you like a groom looks at his bride. He looks at you like a child that he loves. We are set free, and this is the hope of the church and the reason that we are here. Yes, there's a great and a glorious God, but he's the same God who loves us so much and more than you can possibly know. You know, the sermon got into that. The sermon that was proclaimed to Moses was finally emphasizing his goodness. When Moses was hearing, he heard this. He heard that the Lord, the Lord, was compassionate and gracious. He was slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. He was maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And we want him to be all of that. <laughs> I want him to care about me and how I feel. I want him to be slow to anger and not fly off the handle every time I'm ridiculous because that would be all the time. I want him to forgive any and all sin. So if we're going to be overwhelmed by something, would you be overwhelmed because of his goodness? It's a goodness that's overwhelming. He's at the end of the day not a terrifying God, but a personal and a loving and a good, good God, a good Father. And it makes me think, usually people who are so awesome are least accessible. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Whenever it comes to someone we highly esteem, we usually don't have access to them, right? I consider celebrities. I consider those who everyone has identified, like, you are just phenomenal artists. You are a phenomenal superstar. You usually can't really meet with them. For, for me, one of those superstars um, was uh, this man. Yep, Cubs fan. Sorry, Sox fans. Um, Anthony Rizzo was totally awesome, and now he's a World Series winner, right? But you want to know accessible he was? Not very. 
Um, first of all, I had to know Otto, who I miss. Otto's a great guy. Otto knew his father, and because he knew his father, we got in, and, and, and even there, it seems like we're best buds, but it was really still standing behind a partition for like a second, right? But he's my BFF, best day, Rizzo, Mike. Because those who are super awesome are least accessible, right? Or there's this pastor that I watch online that I would love to meet. And I just think the world of him. And, and I think, like, even when I meet them, like, I'm only going to have a moment to say, like, hi. Like, he won't, we won't really get a relationship going. We won't be BFFs, right? You know, he's, he's wanted by too many anyway, so it won't really matter to him whether I said hi or not, right? Those who are so awesome are usually least accessible. But God breaks that paradigm, doesn't he? I want to convince you that God is better than Anthony Rizzo. Sox fans already knew that. Okay, all right. I want to to convince you that God is better than whoever you're putting on that pedestal. If you know what it is to so idolize someone, to be infatuated with something, I need you to know the person of God is so far transcendent than that thing, that person, that one. And he's also the most accessible. For he says, every time that you talk to me, it's not only important, it's valued. I hear you and I will answer. Every time you open my word, I will meet with you as I met with Moses. And maybe it's not face to face, but I tell you what, you will hear my voice. And I will speak to my child and I will guide you by my words. As God delighted to descend to that mountain for Moses, so he delights to descend to this place, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, just to meet with you and for you to know that there is real power here and that power is the God that we have come to worship, who is here, who has a name, who loves you more than you know. How awesome is the accessibility of our God? So let's consider him. Let's meet with him. But before we get past who he is, I wanted to refer to three characteristics that always stick out to me. If you grew up in church, you learned that that God has three omni-traits. Do you remember learning about the omnis? And they are omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. And, And they're wonderful characteristics of the glory of God. What do they mean? Omnipresent means he's everywhere all the time. How does that help you? It means it doesn't matter if you move away from this area It doesn't matter if you go on to college. It doesn't matter if you feel alone in the hospital or ER. God is with you right there. There's never a place you can be where he's not going to be there to care for you and comfort you and hold your heart. He's omniscient. Which means you don't have to describe the complexity of your problem. He already understands. And he gets the solution better than you do if you just call on his name. You don't, have to understand, you don't have to explain yourself to him. He already gets you better than you get yourself. And he can give you what you need. He's omnipotent, has all power. This was clearly seen when Jesus had died and was placed in a tomb and everyone thought that the story was done, but he came back to life through the almighty power of God and that's that same power that is accessible to you and me. And the same spirit that rose Jesus is the spirit inside of us. And that means that whatever situation we're in, we have power past it through the power of God working in us. Now, does any of this leave you with an impression? Back to Moses. Moses was troubled. And he said, God, past my troubled circumstances, just an understanding of who you are. 
I think Moses was probably helped after seeing this. I think Moses created this. I'm pretty sure he was on Instagram. This was the impression that Moses was left with. He's like, my problem is as big as a ship and, and they're awful rebellious nation, these Israelites. Hurting cats, worse than children. But God is the ocean. You met with God today. What understanding does it leave you with? See, we all have troubled circumstances, don't we? I don't know what yours is. I don't know your battle. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's paying the bills. Maybe it's a stage of life. But I need you to meet with God. I need you to understand his glory and his grandeur. Because you're not safe to look at your circumstances until first you consult with the character of God. And that's where I want to leave you today. He's as big as you need. He's bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than your problem. He is your help. He is more than that. He is your savior. He is love. He's everything. We're not safe to look at our circumstances or even ourselves unless we first look at his view on us, his children, his approved of children, his accepted children, his forgiven children, his glorified children, his saints, his beloved. That is what we are if you first meet with him and then consider your own life. May God so bless you. Amen.